Take, take your Bibles, if you will. Turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. Slow learners. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you know a slow learner or if you feel like you're a slow learner, but my study of the Scriptures over the last four decades has shown me that there are many disciples and others in Scripture that sometimes just didn't get it, and they were slow to take it in. But before I pick on them, or you do, I think about how many times I'm slow in my response to what God is teaching or showing me. And in this eighth chapter, I think we have some scenarios there, maybe a little slow with the intake, that they can somehow get what Jesus is telling them. One of those guys is Peter. You know, Peter, in this section today, in the, chap- the eighth chapter, he gets in a fuss and a feud and an argument with Jesus <laughs> about why uh, he should stand in the gap and he shouldn't die and he shouldn't do this. And, and Jesus kind of sternly rebukes him that we'll read this morning. But here's what I think I've learned and maybe you have. As you age, you look back over your life and sometimes you realize my parents were a lot smarter than I thought they were and everybody said, yeah. And, and those things that we did that were hurtful to our parents, somehow maybe I uh, pray that we've made it right. But who knows how many hurtful mistakes we've made because we thought we knew better. We thought we had life understanding, that we had wisdom, and we didn't. Um, but then some of us have an epiphany in that understanding that illumination comes, and we get revelation, we get light, and we walk in it. And, man, that's always a good thing. And it's never too late to have understanding and to respond to what God's teaching you. It's just when you do it slowly, you tend to mess up and you hurt people in community and those around you, but they're always grateful. They're always grateful that you come around, that you get it at some point. The first point in the outline, I want you to just fill it in. It's real simple today, these defective issues. Defective faith is what I find here in the Scripture. And there, looking at the 8th chapter, I just want you, to, I want you to do this. I haven't done this in a long time. Stand with me. We're just going to read the first 10 verses, and I'll read the other, but you want to stand every time I read the Scripture, okay? So stand with me. We'll honor God's Word. And if you have the New Living Translation, you read right along. If not, look in your translation, and it'll be very similar. About this time, another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. And Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they've, uh, they have nothing left to eat. And if I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. And his disciples replied, How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? And Jesus asked, How much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground, and then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and he gave them to the disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. And a small, a few small fish were found too. So Jesus blessed these, and he told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 people in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. And in verse 10, our favorite word in the series is what? Immediately after this, he got into a boat with the disciples, and he crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. Anyway, who knows? You can go ahead and be seated. I just murdered that one. I was doing really good until I hit that last word. So usually you just kind of fly through it if you're not real sure, and that one somehow caught me off guard. Sorry about that. All right, here we go. 
I've studied this section so much, I can't believe. Anyway, here we go. Here it is, the, the feeding. And you know, you're going, the pastor, you just did that a few weeks ago. You, you just talked about this mass feeding plan of Jesus. Well, not this story. Very similar in nature. Look here on the outline with me. There's a chart. Look here. In Mark chapter 6, remember when we were there just a few weeks ago? Now we're over at Mark 8. The time frame was what? One day and one. And then in this time frame, how long have they been there? Three days. When you come to church, you have breakfast and then you make it to church. Some of you have brunch and then you come in. And then you're starving by 1130. And, and, or, or at least we want to eat lunch and we want to have dinner. Well, here, man, there's three days. And they're outside Capernaum. Now they're in the Decapolis region. I'm not going to read all this. It's green grass. Maybe springtime. Maybe it's no grass. But the other one, I want you to see this. There's 5,000 men. We thought that might be fifteen to 20,000 people. But how many do we find in this story? How many? So it's not the same story. They're just similar in nature. And you see, the first one is primarily Jews. Jesus came for the Jew, but he also came for who? For everybody, for the Gentiles, he came for us. And I just, I'm not going to go through all these, but I just want you to see how similar in nature, and yet there are some differences. But God puts this story in here. Maybe we need uh, 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 a lesson again. Maybe, maybe we need to see this. But these similarities, they're, they're both huge crowds. He uses a similar situation, a similar amount of food. He uses, still wouldn't like, hey, they had hamburgers and we had pizza. <laughs> I mean, you know, they didn't have a lot of pride variety in that day, but they had fish and they had loaves. When I went to Israel, and, and this is really sad because somebody, how many of you like fish? I'm just curious. How many of you like to eat fish? Raise your hands high. That is awesome. Now, you that don't like, you can put it down now. Okay. Now, if you don't like fish, raise your hand. Yeah. And so you see, if I took you to Israel today and say, we're going to eat fish three times a day, you'd go, I'm going to starve to death. But if you like fish, Man, you're thinking, man, this is the place to be, all these fresh catch. And, and when we were in Israel in the hotels, they would serve up fish three times a day. Your pastor is not a fish eater. I love shrimp, and I love oysters, and I love lobster, and I love trout almadine, and maybe a little bit, of, but most fish are just kind of fishy. Somebody said, I don't even like you anymore. But, but fish. And this was the supplement for the day. I guess if I'd have lived in, I'd learn to eat fish or starve. You know, I'd have been, can you imagine Pastor Keith would have been a little skinny guy? Anyway, so they, so, that's not funny. So they, so they ate fish and they had loaves. And Jesus does this amazing miracle that we'll walk through here that we'll see together. But in both miracles, Jesus involves people. He involves disciples. Today in a lot of the miracles of Jesus, it's God's working. It's God's power. But he allows us to participate. And, and in both situations, it says the crowds ate. And I love this word. And it says they were full or they were satisfied. If your Bible has satisfied, or write it in your notes. Circle that word, satisfied. They were completed because of this meal. This was no little Israeli happy meal. This was no little McDonald's or the Hardee's to get the little box and you come home like, yeah, I'm hungry in about two hours. Man, this was a meal that satisfied their appetite. It was from God, and he had done this for them. And yet, the first one, they have 12 baskets left over. How many baskets do they have left over in this one? Seven. Now, 12 is a great number, 12 tribes of Israel, and on and on and on. Seven is a number that we know is completion. 
I think they're both God numbers, but for whatever reason, 12 in one, 7 in another. And then some say, but these seven baskets were quite large in nature. All I know is there was a bunch of leftovers. And when God meets a need, there always seems to be enough. And the church said, he's just a God. Our God's not like, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to feed my world? How am I going to feed my people? How am I going to do this? In our church, I just exhorted you. It just, just hit me. I exhorted you for being more faithful in your giving and continue. And when you, we are faithful, and see, God already has the dollars, the things here. But when we respond to him, God is honored. And the church said, yes. Okay, well, some of you felt like I do. Man, it's good here. So in this chart, we just see some of these things here. But here, I want you to fill in a couple of thoughts. I left you lots of room to write. There's multitudes and there's their need. They're at a camp meeting. Now, most of you probably don't know anything about a camp meeting. And to be honest with you, I've been following Jesus for a long time. But out of my heritage, heritage being Wesleyan in nature, there was a big thing with John Wesley and his uh, cohorts. And they would get on horseback and they would ride and they would have camp meetings. And I have friends, uh, they're all really aging now. I mean, like, I'm young compared to them. You're like, well, they're, not, they're old. And they still preach camp meetings. My, my friend, Burt Jones, comes here, used to come a lot over the years. He has a church now, so it's hard for him to get here. He, he preaches a lot of camp meetings in other parts of the country. But I think basically here, they're having a camp meeting. There's teaching. There's preaching. It's a powerful thing here. But the children of Israel, they knew from the past what it was to lack something, to lack food and water. And in Exodus 16, they journeyed through the wilderness, and sometimes they did not have enough, and they would look to God. David, one time in uh, 1 Samuel 21.3, he faced a time when he didn't have something to eat, and God provided. Jesus, he even knew about times of not having food, and yet he was the Lord himself. So here, I want you to fill in the second point, the master and his compassion. Every time, remember when I said this? Every time Jesus shows up, something changes. Everything changes. And when Jesus shows up, it's the epitome of compassion. Compassion expressed through his life. He had been here with these people for days, and the Bible says they're going to they're gonna die of hunger, or they're going to they're gonna fall out, they're going to they're gonna be in tough shape going home. So Jesus was concerned mainly about their spiritual well-being but he also was concerned about their physical well-being and he had them fed now i just want you to think about that for a minute right now do you think jesus cares about your spirit being absolutely he died at calvary for you do you think jesus cares about your physical being this morning yes and he's had compassion he's had mercy on you and that's one reason we pray for one another we want to see greater mercy expressed but the lord Here's what I'd say. The Lord is interested in everything that affects you and me. Whether it be small or big, our God cares. I believe that with all my being. I believe that God cares about little cancer cells and big cancer cells. And I believe he, believes about, he, uh, he cares about liver disease. And I believe he cares about you not having enough to eat and you being able to pay your power bill and you having clothes to wear and you have an opportunity to get an education and own and own. I could tackle a thousand issues that our God cares about, the little seemingly insignificant to the monster issues that we call life. But God cares. And I just want to remind us of that wonderful truth this morning. And then there's the miracle and the lessons of this miracle. But Jesus, every time it seems like he shows up and he begins to do stuff, people begin to doubt. 
And there was some great doubt that, that came out against Jesus. They, they, they came against him. They didn't, they didn't really believe. Even, even his band of followers, they had doubt that, and confusion that would come. So let me say to you, sometimes when you have a little doubt, don't check out. When you have some doubt, don't dismiss the Lord. Pull into his heart. Get a copy of the scriptures and let the scriptures feed you. Begin to read the scripture. Let the scriptures nurture your faith. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by reading the word of... The word of... Man, if you're not nurturing that, no reason you've got doubt. Because guys, let's be honest. I've had situations and I'll have some more where I don't know. I know his track record is unbelievable. But the current circumstance finds myself in a place that I'm a little skeptical. I'm a little doubtful. Oh, woe be me of a little faith in you. But if I look on his faithfulness of the scriptures and I look at his faithfulness in my life, I see what a big God he is and how he's come through over and over and over and he carries me. That song we sang this morning, the opening song, man, I can't get enough of that. It's just in my soul. How about you? You ought to go watch it on Vimeo this week. Man, if you want to go back and hear the message again, or you want to hear the worship, it's right there every weekend. Caitlin and Drew, they, they put that up for us, and I'm grateful. They're, they're followers that follow us, and I invite you to go there. So this miracle, this miracle reminds us that Jesus is a universal Savior and that he's enough. And yet people will continually reject him and push him away. It also reminds us that Jesus is sufficient to meet the needs of my life. You'll hear me say sufficiency of Christ is a foundation for me. But I, I just want to submit once again that the sufficiency of Jesus, he's enough. Sometimes Jesus is all you've got. But Jesus is really all we need. Oh, we get a lot of bonuses and good gifts how much more with our Father in heaven that loves us, give us good gifts. Man, the God, my Father, your Father, he's given me many good gifts. How many of you feel like you've been showered by God with so many good gifts in your life? Yeah, health and prosperity and provision and joy and friendship and marriage and kids and grandkids and work and play and entertainment, and you could just start going, just going eyes to see. Tell you what, if you didn't have eyes to see, wow, can you imagine? You've got ears to hear, man, what a blessing. You've got a mouth to speak. You're like, yeah, praise God, I wish you would slow up on yours a little bit. Yeah. Man, we've just got so much to be thankful for this morning. What, what comfort that his supply always seems to exceed my deepest need. If I'm real honest, over the last couple years it's been hard and right now I just feel like in my own soul God is beginning a new work in me and in you and in our church and I pray we're coming out of some times that are difficult to a new season of refreshment how many of you want to go on that journey amen let's do it together let's invite others on that great journey called faith See, at the end of the day man we've got each other we've got a community we've got relationships Man, Gloria's going to have surgery tomorrow, and you know what? Nobody's going to be there. That's not true. Holly is driven in. She's going to be right there with her. Her pastor's going to be down there. Miss Debbie, I think, is going to come drive her home. Miss Zelda's probably going to come over and play the Tupperware band for her. I don't know. There'll be different people 
I just thought I'd throw that in there. There'll be different people that'll come and they'll gather and they'll love and they'll pray and they'll do things. That's the body of Christ. How many want to be a part of a community? Small groups are starting. That's small life in groups. And I know somebody like, Pastor, I don't do people. Don't like them. Don't want to do nothing with them. Bye. You're missing out. If I could, I would tie you up and take you to small group. And you would have a miserable time. No, no, you'd have a great time. Over the years, I've invited people to small groups, and sometimes it's amazing to me. They'll come out and they'll go, Pastor, that wasn't so bad. I'm thinking, well, gee, that, that's really encouraging, but for you, that was a good word. Or they'll go, I think I'll come back next week. Man, that's awesome. Because there's something about doing life with other people that care about you. Other people that will pray for you. Other people that will speak into your life. People that will convict you, that you'll be accountable to. The people that will care for you. I don't know, it's just, I could go on on this all day because it's one of the themes of the church. But Lord, your miracles remind us. Write this thought down. i got to keep going. The miracle here of the provision the second time that we see Jesus feeding. It reminds me, write it down, this is cool. God is not a stingy God. Now, don't turn anybody and go, and you're a stingy person. There's nothing fun about being stingy. You know, I'm not going to share it with you, then I won't have anything for me. But man, let me tell you one of the most generous people I know. Miss Cheryl. Precious. She served with me seven years. She retired. She came back out of retirement because she loves this church. She loves me. She loves you. And she serves. And man, it's just a joy. And man, just gives her life. And her and Chuck have postured themselves that they might give more to Christ in these later years of their life. And I love it. And man, let me tell you something about Miss Cheryl. Shh, don't tell her. She can cook too. Oh my goodness. Donna, I'm sorry, baby, but sometimes she brings stuff into the office. And she'll tell me this. goes, but this is healthy. Well, it's not when you eat more than one. But, oh, oh did I say that out loud? But it's wonderful. But the woman is not stingy. Matter of fact, sometimes she'll bring stuff and say, wouldn't Chuck like to have that? Chuck don't need that. Here, you have this. I'll make him something new tonight. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you for not being stingy. I wasn't even going to preach about that. This is the overflow of my heart today. I'm just feeling it, man. Let's keep going. Yeah, I love you, brother. I heard tomorrow's going to be good, too. Anyway, here, let's keep going. Here you go. Defective faith. Let's go to this. Defective diet. No, that's not it. Defective understanding. Verses 11 to 24. Here, just keep seated. Look with me. Pharisees, religious people, demand a miraculous sign. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came, started to arrive, argue. They started to argue with him, testing him. They demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. And when he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit. He said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign. Underline it. This is pretty stern words from Jesus. Here, this is in red, okay? So he got back into the boat and he left them and he crossed to the other side of the lake there. But keep going. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with each other. You, you notice that word argue? They're arguing a lot because they hadn't brought any bread. And Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes you can't see. You have ears you can't hear. 
don't you remember anything at all? Now, let's just stop there. That is not a good thing that Jesus is saying. <laughs> don't you get it? I've been modeling and teaching. And you guys, I, 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 if it had been me, I'd go, I'm going home. Y'all do not get it, but move on with me. Verse 19. When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. And they'd go, no, we don't get it. We're slow learners. See what I'm saying? Here's this theme here, this defective understanding, dispute, argument. And yet, they're tempting Jesus. Jesus, won't you give us a sign? And Jesus gives a big emphatic, no. I'm giving you all the signs you need. See, because they had been watching Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, miracle worker, do all these miracles on the countryside. And they're saying, one more miracle, Jesus, one more sign. <laughs> he said, man, I've already given the sign to Jonah. I've already given this sign, this sign. No, 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 no more signs. And Jesus left. Here's what I'd say to you. If you don't know Christ, if you've drifted far from Christ, repent, get back. Because you don't know that Jesus might just go, okay, I'll depart now. You want none of me. But draw near, seek him, and he will be found. The Bible promises that. When I think about this, these similar things of Israel's past, a sign from heaven, Joshua commanded the sun to be still in Joshua 10, and the Bible says the sun was still. Samuel prayed during a battle, and the Lord answered with strong, loud thunder, and when he did, he confounded, he confused the enemies. I love that story. Elijah prayed, and when Elijah prayed, the Bible says it did not rain for three and a half years our missionary called me this week adam wilford and adam wanted to talk to me because our team's coming in we had great discussion oh i just thought of this i want you to put it on the side right now pray for melissa the other day melissa took off running after her child she fell and broke her leg she's in a cast pray for melissa but he was calling me just to to, to check on us and and see how we're doing because he because he because he cares about this church he he loves us and and yet i asked him because, you know, around here it rains. It rains every day. It rains somewhere every minute. And you can be raining here. And, ride, and if you don't like it, don't get upset. Just drive a couple miles. It won't be raining. It happens to me all the time. It's just weird. The other day I left here and I was pulling out umbrellas and I got down the street and I was putting on sunscreen. I mean, was, I don't know what was going on. Not really. I, I'm, I'm not that crazy. But here, here's what happened. I asked Adam. I said, Adam, does it rain down there? He says, Keith. All summer long, we've had five minutes of rain. It just don't rain here. I went, Gladys, you and not me. No, I didn't say that. I love that place. It's a fertile soil for Jesus. That's where our team finds himself this morning. You know, Jesus healing the sick, raising the dead, walking on the water. You, you see the story here. And then I just want you, I think the things that come up, don't let your faith be contaminated by doubt by discouragement by confusion by grief i thought this was interesting this morning in my own personal quiet time i was reading in the 24th chapter of uh, luke the 31st verse hold on luke i'm in the market sorry guys i got it in my other bible where i was doing it luke 24 all right look at this with me i thought this is awesome this is how good god is it's going to be really great when I find it, okay? Here it is. 
Verse 31, Luke 24, 31. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. It's the Maus Road when Jesus came to him after the resurrection. And he appeared and they gained understanding. And I just thought, I said, God, that is so cool. Today, I'm preaching about being a slow learner and not recognizing you. And today, not in Mark, in the Gospel of Luke, happened to be where I was reading, God showed me this and goes, he just went, gotcha. (laughs) Wowed me. How many of you get wowed sometimes when you read the Word of God? You're like, God, that was for me. That's for today. You see, when you're a preacher, you're always reading for sermon material. But I try to guard that carefully that I read for my soul. So I have my personal devotions with Jesus. That's important. It's important if you're a small group leader, you're a Bible teacher, whatever, you study. But you make sure that you continue not to read for a lesson, not to read for a message, that you read to feed your soul with the Word of God. And the church said, amen. But here's this solemn declaration that we've already talked about. Jesus gives no sign. I'm not going to give a sign. I've spoken. I've given you enough truth. Act on it you choose not to but you know what today is no different today people want the sensational do the sensational that's what we want well god does show off sometimes and sometimes he has shown off so much through his son he has shown off so much through his word he doesn't need to speak another word he has spoken do you believe me church god's good if you get to know his heart if you get to know his character you see how god has spoken over and over and yet in that thing and when we move on it says he made a, a departure he left them alone they didn't recognize him they weren't willing to really deal with him so here would be just one practical thing and i gotta uh, hit the next section when you hear god's voice stop listen and purpose in your heart to respond to his voice to his leadership to its prompting because you don't know i mean god could go silent on you and go you know what <laughs> they're kind of hard-headed they're callous they're not listening to me their heart's not ready they sing about having a great heart but heart's not there but god is for us god loves us he's our source we trust him he's our sufficiency all right so let's, let's keep going here because i want you to see this this is so powerful defective sight verse 22 through 26 ready Jesus here, another miracle. See, Mark loves these miracles of Jesus. He loves to uh, put them out there for us. So here it is. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. They begged him to touch the man and heal him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the village. Interesting. Again, could have done it anywhere. He did many times, but many times he would choose to go in private. He leads him away. And then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and he asked, can you see anything now? Now, if somebody just spit in my face, I'd probably go, no, I can't see. But this is Jesus, and he'd already healed somebody by that. And the man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them clearly, or very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were open. And his sight was completely restored. Circle that. Completely. And he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. You know, in this one, I don't understand why. I still don't. I've studied this and studied this and studied it. And Jesus has the power. He can speak the word and you are well. They touched the hem of, the cor- the hem of his garment. They were whole. Jesus touched their eyes and they were healed. He touched their ears and they could hear. 
He touched the cripple, and he rose up, and he blessed God. And here, for whatever reason, he gives it a second touch. And I just wonder this morning, do we need a second touch from Jesus? So it's like their own spiritual delay, but Christ comes through for them. It's like sometimes you, you might have eyes physically that work well, and you see clearly, or, or you're maybe not as clear as you want, but you see pretty good. But inwardly, spiritually, you are blinded, and you need, or maybe you've drifted from God, you've let some sin enter into your life, and it's just cloudy, and your conscience is all fogged up. And today, it could be the day that God wants to give you clarity of your vision, that you see the kingdom in your life. Amen? Amen? That's what I pray today, man. God, Give me eyes to see my Father's world as you see it. Give me eyes to see the lost without a shepherd. Give me eyes to see with compassion that you had, Lord Jesus. And we cry out for it. A second touch here. It's interesting here. I, I think about how many times we don't see clearly. But what I do know, listen to this. Jesus never leaves a task undone. He completed this task. He touched him a second time, and the man saw. He saw clearly. So it might be in your prayer time, you just ask, Jesus, would you give me a second touch? Would you just give me a, a fresh touch of your grace, your mercy? Give me understanding. Give me a heart of compassion. Give me a heart of forgiveness. God, give me a, a heart that will run after you. And let's move here. Defective devotion, verse 27. Move there with me. Oh, my goodness, this is such a fun section. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee. They went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. And as they were walking along, he asked them, Who do the people say I am? Oh, I love this section. And well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you're one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, But who, who do you say I am? And Peter, there he is, spokesperson. Peter replies, You are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And, 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 man, this is one of those great sections, Caesarea, predominantly a Gentile area in this day. It's, um, it's the, Bellinius there is a center of Baal worship, pagan ritualization. Things are really tough. Uh, they even have this thing where Caesar is right nearby and he rules. And they would have, this is interesting as I was studying this, the citizens of his city were required to enter the temple at least once. They were allowed, they were asked to enter the temple once a year and to place a pinch of incense on a burning altar and proclaim at that altar, Caesar is Lord. And we know from Paul and others, oh, that ain't going to happen. There is one Lord, and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord, not man. Now, we can we look at this and go, I ain't got to worry about me saying somebody is Lord, but Jesus. But in his heart, in our hearts, he's the master. A fuller revelation than he makes himself known. So here it is. Look, Jesus asked a probing question here. Who do people say I am? That's the general uh, audience the general audience who who do y'all say i am they go, oh, he, he is jesus he is the son of the most high god but i love how jesus probes them and then he goes down and he asks a personal question and this this is the question of all questions that i've read in the bible if you miss this one you miss everything who do you say i am 
And Peter responded, I believe, because he was saved, because he was right with God. He, he knew the right answer. Now, I don't think Judas would have given this answer. He was lost. He was out there, okay? But I'm asking us, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your uncle, your boss, your best friend, whoever, they can't answer that question. We all have to answer it individually. And we respond when Jesus says, who do you say I am, Keith? And so many times in my prayer walks, I just make great declarations. That's, the other day, I found out one of my son-in-laws was out playing tennis, and I was walking by, and I guess I was in one of my typical prayers or rants, and I was talking, and he told Donna later, he goes, man, Pop talks a lot when he walks. And, and I, I tried to yell at him, but he didn't hear me, and he was talking, and, and there was nobody with me. I'm not crazy. I was just talking to Jesus. I was probably talking to him about you. I do that a lot of times. I, and when I got you really heavy in my heart, I'll just go to talking to him. My lips are... You know, it just occurred to me, I know why people dodge me now on the sidewalks when I'm coming. I always thought they were being nice to get off the sidewalk. It's because they think I'm crazy. No, I'm just teasing. I see a lot of nice folks out there, a lot of internationals, a lot of nationals. Oh, craziest thing happened to me today. Got to get back to the text quick, but I, tell, I forgot to tell Donna this. I had a daggum dog jump up and try to bite me the other day. I don't know what was happening. Were y'all having problems or something? I'm just walking, doing my business, praying, having a great time. And this man had a dog. And when you have a dog and you're supposed to have him on the leash, and he did, but you're supposed to hold that leash. You know what I'm saying? And I walked by and dogs, you know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I'm just kind of doing my thing. And about that time, demon dog jumped up and poof. And you think it's funny. It was not funny. He jumped up and his nose caught me and my arms, my instinct did that. And when I did, his nose grabbed right there just you know wet and the man was freaking out and he pulled that dog back and you know i was walking down the road like glory to god you know and i thought man i'm already gonna have to have surgery i don't want to get my arm fixed you know what i'm saying this is crazy you're saying it's dangerous out walking i, I, I just thought about that I never thought about it till just now but jesus asked a probing and a personal question who do you say i am man just ask people that question sometime in the right context as you have a relationship who do you say Jesus is? I tell you, Jesus asked me one day, who do you say I am? Jesus, you are Lord. You are life. You are master. I submit to you. I will follow you, King Jesus. Religions, listen to what religions say. The Muslims say that Jesus was a prophet. He was not crucified on a cross. He will not return. He is not God. That's sick. The Hindu believes that Jesus is just the one of many gods, millions of gods. The Jew, he believes that Jesus was a great prophet. He was a great teacher, but he was not Lord. The Jehovah's Witness, they believe that once the archangel Michael, before he came to the earth, that's who Jesus was. In their view, their estimation, Jesus was not God in the flesh, and he is. The atheist says, I don't think he ever existed at all. And then the agnostic, they go, I don't know what to believe about Jesus. And society has been rejecting Jesus Christ, but yet, oh, thank you, God. Millions have believed this life-giving gospel. And their lives have been changed by Jesus Christ. And that's who we've come to celebrate and sing about and praise and worship and make petition to as we make our prayer to him god we answer that you are the christ lord i will speak for myself i will answer you on that day but in this life i will answer jesus your master i've told you this word but i love it it's my favorite greek word kurios it just means master 
In the Greek it says, Jesus is kurios. He is Lord. He is sovereign. He is in control. He rules. And I'm going to move to this last section because I, I want to land this plane because it's important that we do that today. If you move down there in verse uh, 31, move with me. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. See, Peter, he's always a spokesperson, even when he didn't need to be. Verse 33, Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, "If Listen, guys, this right here is the heart of gospel. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you, or what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Now let me just park it right here. And I'm going to three words here i wrote them across the bottom it says it a little bit different in niv uh deny take up your cross and follow me those words right there are enough to become a christian to follow christ and he talks here about denying this this whole thing disavowing my connection uh that I, i've been connected to something else but now i've decided that I will deny my flesh and my needs in that sense, and I will follow Christ, and I will refuse to be under anything else but Jesus. Corinthians, let me give you the, the address, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price, at a price, with the precious blood of Christ. And when you become a follower, a Christ follower, you are not your own. You submit, you surrender the deed of your life, the title, the lordship, the direction, the CEO. You go, Jesus, I'm yours. I give myself to you as you've given yourself fully to me. I deny myself. Man, God, help us to be people that will deny ourselves, that will take up our cross. Now look at that. Our cross, that we'll accept it. We'll go, God, I want to die that I might live. Lord, I'll take up the cross. I'll, I'll put my flesh, I'll put my desires and my dreams or whatever on that cross. Lord, I've been offended by this person. I've been offended by that, but God, I will lay that down. Or God, this and this has happened to me, but God, I lay it down. I take up the cross. I take up the cross of Christ and I, and I follow him. Um, Christianity is all about following Jesus. And in following Jesus, you do things that your flesh would never do. Here's one that I have to do. I would never do this in my flesh. I would have no desire. Love your enemies. How many get excited about that one? Well, then you're more of a man than I am. I don't get excited about it yet. I st and I go, no. And the Bible says, pray for those that persecute you. Man, sometimes in these prayer walks, I go on these rants with Jesus. Jesus, I don't like them. Now, I get real quiet when I'm saying that one, okay? Jesus, I mean, I don't, you, know, you know what they did to me, Jesus. You know, I'm offended. And usually by the time I get around the block, he's done spanked me. <laughs> Jesus, I love them. You died for them. 
I'm sorry I got an attitude. And I hope Donna sees a change in me most days by the time I get back home. That's why I have to walk first thing, because I hadn't really blown my day too bad yet. And, and, and I got to get up and I, I got to get after, I got to pursue Christ. And that's what I'm inviting us to do. So here he is. We deny, we take up a cross. And look at the third one. Then we follow. In, in this thing, in, in the words where it says, keep on denying yourself, keep on taking up your cross, keep on uh, following me. In the Greek is an original, continuous state of the word that you follow after Christ. And it is ongoing. And that's what God is calling us to in the Gospel of Mark this morning. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And follow. Follow me. Here's my closing thought. I'm I'm just going to invite you to come now, Jeremy, if you will. In denying myself, it implies that I stopped listening to my own voice. I stopped leaning on my own power. I stopped trying to fulfill my own power and wishes, but I lean on Christ. And this thought, as I was wrapping up this week, this came to me. You can either waste your life or you can invest your life. And right now, we've got 26 people on the mission field investing their life and their personality and their gifts that they might serve the purposes of god that are greater than their own it's awesome and in this building today i ask us do we want to waste our lives on this earth or do we want to invest them for jesus christ that's what it means to be a follower of jesus jesus you are the high price you're the pearl of great price I will follow you. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, we bow our heads today and we ask that you would help us to take a sobering message like this, full of truth, and would lean into and press into and would reread these passages, maybe re-listen to this message to see what truths you might teach us. But Lord, when it's all said and done, I pray that we would all give up. Quit and relinquish control of our heartstrings to you. Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Invade our hearts and our spaces. In rule, in reign, in us, that we might follow you. Be glorified. Be pleased today, God, because we've come to gather and sing the high praises of a holy God. You are good. And Lord, we pray that you would bless us and encourage us and revive us until we meet again. And God, I just want to add one in. I just remembered. God, I pray for Tim right now. I pray for Lola, his mom, the Lord, that your healing power would be so evident right now as I speak your name over Lola. Would would y'all pray for Lola? Put her on your worship, God, today. Heal her feeble body, God. Give her son her son's great grace. God, we love you in the name of Jesus. Amen.